Good evening, dear listener. Welcome to Weekend at Crombies 2, The Legend of Crombies Gold, Volume 3, The Best of the West, Episode 3, High Noon. I'm Dr. James Evans Esquire. You're a good looking boy. You've got big, broad shoulders, but he's a man. And it takes more than big, broad shoulders to be a man. And I'm Hugh. I'm big for my age. <laughs> <laughs> yes, indeed. Now, if if um, listeners were ever privy to the pre-podcast um japery which you aren't thankfully just be thankful of that because it's taken a long time to get that in uh to get that cut so thank you for that but look oh well look where are we it's march it's episode three the um when are we is the when are we yeah when are we we? yeah we're in the 50s now aren't we we're in the wild west and we've hit the 1950s we have it's 1952 i believe 1952 um and i think we might have what would be described as one of the first revisionist westerns even though we said we wouldn't be doing revisionist westerns i think this might be one i didn't know it was a revisionist western until i'd seen it yeah me neither all all i knew is people are just saying because like it's 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 basically everyone's favorite western unless you're john wayne but it's everyone else's favorite western (laughs) we'll come into the the story of that but but it's like it's been no in all the the national film registries and all the kind of you know keep it for historical residences Mm. and presidents have said it's their favorite film and i think bill clinton showed it 17 times in the White House, which seems excessive. That's a bit um, much. I know, but you know, he was he was up to a lot in the White House. You know? <laughs> he was, wasn't he? Yeah. Well, not enough by the looks of things. Really, he's um, watching High Noon all the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you know, it's it's a it's a central Western canon, isn't it? Yeah, everyone. I mean, and yet, it, it was at the time a bit more revisionist and controversial. Yeah, which is weird. I, I, someone said to me, High Noon. It's like, oh, it's that really old Western that you know is yeah. clearly the 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 staple of the. But no, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So yeah. Um, Shall we? Shall we away onto it? Well, as tradition befits you, I will um, leave it to you <laughs> <laughs> to go through the synopsis. Yes. Well, um, this will be interesting because the, the the film is more or less shot in real time um, it is, because yeah. it's basically shot eighty minutes from high noon, um, yeah. and the yeah, clock ticks down until noon. Uh, so it's when when the Mex- New Mexico Territory in a small town. Hadleyville. Hadleyville. And it also means, given that it was shot in real time, 80 minutes to high noon, it means it's quite a short film, oh, well, which I'm always up for. But they're all they're all quite brisk in these they days. Are. Like 90 yeah, minutes, they are. 90 minutes, in and out, lovely stuff. Yeah, it's until you get to the 60s, then we get into the three-hour westerns. Yeah, yeah. But nonetheless, so we, we begin by uh, a couple of uh, desperados um, get, joined together, beginning with Lee Van Cleef. Uh, his, yeah, I know. His, first, his... first film role. Yeah, we shall see lots of him later. But anyway, so um, some some tough looking, three tough looking cowboys get up and ride into town. And there's a bit of, you know, there's a reaction in the town. It's like, oh, who are these guys? And they're all running back indoors and such, etc. It's a silent, it's a silent scene, isn't it? The first couple of minutes is, yeah, um, you, yeah. But you, you know tell what they're up they're, to. Yeah. Well, I say silent. It is preceded by the ballad. Um, oh, I yeah. Do yeah. not forsake me. Oh, my darling. Won an um, Oscar for that. What an Oscar. I'll have some thoughts on the ballad later on. Um, but the, the... I get the impression you don't like it, Hugh. But this is <laughs> this is from a Gilbert and Sullivan aficionado. <laughs> <laughs> Do not forsake me, you're my darling. I must wait them out. So anyway, so these, these guys are riding to town and they're riding to ride at the train station, at a point which the, uh, the telegraph operator gets a telegram and is like, ah, this is terrible news and runs off uh, to spread the terrible news. Um, in the meantime, uh, there's a wedding going on in the local uh, town hall, the local sheriff's office. Um, the marshal, Marshal Will Kane, is marrying his young Quaker bride, um, Amy, and um, so played yeah. by Gary Cooper and Grace Kelly. Gary thirty Cooper. years his younger. Yes, and and to be fair, it looks it. <laughs> yeah, it does. Yeah, Gary <laughs> Cooper looks a little bit like he's been on the drink. <laughs> He looks like he's he's struggling with a bleeding ulcer during filming, which indeed he was. Oh, really? Yeah. Well, well there if, we if he go. looks like he's you know he's he's got it rough, he's had it rough. Um, so yeah, so uh, so yeah, the marshal is marrying his his young wife, upon which he will resign his office, and they'll ride off into the to start a little store because she's a Quaker and a pacifist, so uh, obviously she can't have a gunslinging husband. So and he's surrounded by his friends and the uh, the worthies of the town all clapping, and they all respect and saying, him and love him, don't they? Because he sorted yeah. the town out. 
that five years ago yeah he ran uh was it harry miller um yeah. frank miller he ran frank miller frank miller um, not the cartoonist. Um, no. <laughs> uh, he ran a Frank Miller out of town. He didn't like the Daredevil. Uh, but, uh, uh, he so he ran this guy Frank Miller out of town while they, while they got him arrested and sent yeah. up up north to be uh, to be imprisoned for life or to be executed and then um, commuted to a life imprisonment. Um, and and that cleaned up the town. So the town is now Good. decent for for people to families to grow and business to flourish. And everyone's very nice about him. Um, but he's he's re- he's he's retiring with one day. Before yeah. the next marshal turns up, yes, and we yeah. never see or know about. Yeah, in the, the the classic uh, Roger Murtaugh uh, the start. Yeah, yeah, he had yeah. one day till retirement. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so he, but he, but, but everyone's basically saying, look, you know, and this is you know, nothing's going to happen. This is foreshadowing. What yeah. could possibly go wrong in a single day? We'll be fine. You can go. Um, at which point the door slams open and yeah. the telegraph man runs in, saying, Frank Miller, the man you put up into prison who hates you, has been released. He's been pardoned, yeah. and he's heading this way. And he'll arrive at noon on the train. Yeah. <laughs> uh, at which point, I mean, there's there's a general consensus: get out of here, Kane. So yeah, Marshall they Kane, all tell him to get. They don't ask him to stay, do they? They say, yeah. get out. You've done yeah. your job. Yeah, and he's he's kind of like a bit kind of like, oh, what what? Well, he's a bit b- b- befuddled at the point. He's like, he kind is, of, he's yeah. just been rushed out of there because yeah. he's just got married and he's quite happy. And then it's like, oh, your deadly enemy has been released. And he and then all the worthies are saying, look, just get out, get out, get out. Yeah, don't um, risk it. Yeah, which kind of up, heightens the pressure a bit, doesn't it? You kind of think just. Just go. Don't worry about it. He's fine. So, we'll deal with him. Yeah. And then remarkably, he gets on a buggy and he's off. So yeah. he rides away. So he's yeah. <laughs> crisis averted. Yeah. Um, but then halfway down the track, um, he kind of like halts his conscience. His conscience. Well, is, him, it, is it, it his conscience or is it uh, is it is it his pride? Because he basically yeah, goes, it's a bit I've, of both, isn't it? It's a bit says, of both. He says, yeah. "I've never run from anybody, and I'm yeah. not running now." And then he he does because Amy's like saying, "No, let's run. It's good." Yeah. <laughs> but uh, well, she's saying it doesn't matter. You finished. Yeah, he's saying it's not done yeah, your not, job. Yeah, it's not your job. You've done your job. Why look for trouble? And he's partly saying, yeah, I've, I've never run from anything. But he also, I think, yeah, thinks he can he can make a show of this because he beat Frank Miller uh, mm. five years ago. He can go back, rally the townsfolk, show him, see him off. It's like, yeah, he's, he'll. You make a good point with pride. It's it's all intermingled, isn't it? There's a sense of pride, there's duty, there's conscience, but it's all intermingled together. He can't shake it, can he? Yeah, his his basic his gut instinct is saying, don't run. Um, yeah stand yeah. your ground and so even he, though it's likely to lead to his death well no no i think as he turns the horse around he thinks you know get the get for you know a dozen volunteers together uh, yeah, he does, face him down yeah. we'll see yeah. him off like we did before mm. so i think it's not it's not a it's not, it's not a, a clear full, cut then you know it's not a forlorn hope um no. he's he's definitely think but he's you've got to be brave to do it in the first place yeah. but he's going back thinking the odds are with him He's just got he's just got to show a bit of backbone and he'll you know he can try and he wants to ball. deal with it, doesn't he? Yeah. Um, however, sort of the first person he sees is the judge who sentenced Frank. <laughs> yeah, Miller, who's bogging off. Is, he is packing his bags as fast as he can. <laughs> he said this was a nice place, you know, it was really good, but I'll find somewhere else. <laughs> Do you know what? I've, 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 we'll, we'll come to all the people who, who turned, who let Kane down. I've got a lot of time for the judge. I think the judge <laughs> was quite gimlet-eyed about what was going on because he, yeah. he, he was he was a realist, yeah. wasn't he? Yeah, his view was look. Um, I know what's going to happen. Even compared to ancient Greece, he says, "I know what's going to happen. The people will will let him back in, and he'll he will come with vengeance on the people who yeah. wronged him. He'll yeah. come for me, and he'll come for you. And to be honest, this town's not worth dying for. I'll find mm. another town. You know, these people aren't worth it. They'll turn on me. And you know what? He, he wasn't exactly wrong with this. <laughs> no, I know. Yeah. So he yeah, shoves he was... all his legal books and his little scales of justice in his bag, jumps on a donkey, and he's out of there. He is. He's got these massive books. I don't know how they fit in his bag. I, do you know what? He, he was doing this whole packing thing, and then the actor picked these enormous tombs of yeah. law, and he thought, "How's this going in the back?" <laughs> not just carrying them. Yeah. He? Anyway, the judge is off, which which is the first thing that throws Kane. Kane's like, "Yeah, he's not this? expecting that, is he?" Yeah, he's going. Of course, the town's going to stand with me. Um, yeah. So uh, I think yeah, one, one of his deputies, um, is it Ben? Um, yeah. Basically, yeah. bursts in and is like, "I'm, I'm with, with you." you. Yeah. yeah. I'm, absolutely I'm just no problem. Gun. Yeah. Yep. How um, many have you got already? Yeah. How many deputies have you got? Well, you're the first, Ben. Oh, right, okay. You better <laughs> hurry up then. <laughs> yeah, that's it, yeah. I will say again, um, so Will Kane's demeanour with this is still quite bemused. He's not, again, he's not John Wayne twirling his Winchester. No, he isn't, is he? No. He's very much like, um, we, we, we've got to, come on, come on, let's let's yeah. just gear up to this. Yeah. Um, and yeah, he's, he's not um, he's not your all-American hero, is he? He's he's almost like he's thinking, isn't he? He's like, Whoa, what, what are we going to do? What am I going to do? Right. I've got to get some deputies. Yes, deputies. Let's get some deputies. Yeah. Right. Okay, let's do this. So his other per- permanent deputy, uh, Harvey, yeah, uh, played by Lloyd Bridges. Um, yeah, a non-comedic Lloyd Bridges. <laughs> a non-comedic. And 
again, he's played as being a young man. He's younger than Gary Cooper, but he's still like, he's, he's not much younger than me. Um, in this, but he, but you're he, a young man, Hugh. Well, there you go. I don't have his broad shoulders, though. But you're a man. <laughs> but I'm a man. <laughs> I'm a narrow-shouldered man. You are. You're a feeble man. <laughs> but, but he's a broad-shouldered youth. Like there we go. Feeble man. Who's one? <laughs> <laughs> who is the truly broad-shouldered one among us? Anyway, so uh, Harvey is the actual deputy, and he's he's clocked what's going on already. Um, and he he mentions this to um his uh his girlfriend uh, Ramirez. What's her name? Uh, Helen That's Ramirez. Helen Ramirez, yeah, played like by uh, Gerardo. Yeah, who is again? She's apparently was a huge star of Mexican cinema mm. that kind of migrated over to Hollywood. Um, yeah, this and, was a big role, I think. Yeah. So she's she's the local saloon owner and entrepreneur. Well, she's a businesswoman, and she's made it. She is, yeah. But she um also she well she used to be Kane's uh, she used to be um Frank Miller's woman. Yeah. Then she and was then Kane's Kane, then she was Kane's squeeze, and then she was um then she went with Harvey. But uh, with with all that in the mix, she realised that it won't be too healthy for her if she sticks around town. <laughs> so she immediately sells up and packs yeah. her bags. So she's in the post bit of packing, but um, but Harvey, who isn't, yeah, he's not that uh, bright, but he's quite calculating. Um, kind of goes down to see Kane, saying, "Oh, there's trouble, is there? Well, I'll 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 help you out, but I want you to put a good word in for me, because of course yeah. Harvey is not going to be the new marshal. He's still going to stay the deputy, and for quite obvious reasons, he seems a bit useless. You know, he's he's quite selfish and cowardly, and and um, and, yeah, he's, yeah, yeah, he's 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 a bit, yeah, he's a bit. Not shifty. Cowardly. He's not, not cowardly. No, he's shifty though, isn't he? Yeah, he's not going to stick his neck out unless there's something in it for him. And yeah, I think and he, Kane... he's, he's resentful of the fact that he wasn't offered the marshal role as well. Yeah. Although he's just kind of proved why he wasn't yeah. offered the marshal role <laughs> because he'll only do it if there's something in it for him. And yeah. to be honest, I think Kane made the right call in because Kane basically says, "I don't want it. I don't want help if it can be bought. I want you to do it because you want to do it." Yeah. And yeah, so if Kane had it. It, if Kane had him in his side <laughs> in a gunfight, uh, you'd definitely be watching you back as well. You would um, be. Yeah, you would be. But yeah, so Harvey Harvey then resigns as deputy. So he's usually down one deputy. So Harvey goes off to the saloon. He's not doing just, a good job, is he? Yeah, trying to get deputies. Deputies. He's lost one. Yeah. <laughs> yes. So then, well, talk about not doing a good job. His next move is to go into the local saloon, whereby he hears the saloon owner give odds on the fact that Will Kane will be gunned down as soon as Frank Miller arrives. He yeah, punches him. He punches him. Yeah. And also, what we what we what we realise is that there are some people in the town who perhaps might welcome Frank Miller back. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, and and I have a certain resentment to Will Kane in in the in the sense that um, yes, the the town was tied it up, but it's not it's not the same town anymore. Not, yeah, 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 that's that's wild, I guess. Yeah. Well, but yeah, so um, he punches the saloon owner out. So, yeah. And the saloon owner makes a rather decent point, saying, you know, you've got a gun and a badge, yeah, so we you don't know. need to do that. Yeah. And, and then Kane says, yes, I shouldn't have. I'm sorry. Yeah, this is this thing with him being feeble. Like the first, yeah. you know, forceful act he does is the wrong one and he kind of apologizes for he and then having laid out the saloon and then talks to the saloon and manages to rally nobody yeah uh, <laughs> even, even though again he was saying some of you were my posse when we saw him out the first time no one's terribly keen to join him back i think at this point i would have left <laughs> yes <laughs> i'd have thought uh, also i feel a bit embarrassed now <laughs> i'm just gonna go. i never have to come here again i'm going yeah, there is a kind of a um, a half blind drunk does does offer him help. Yeah. Um, he turns him down, though, doesn't he? Yeah, again, like likely for the best reasons. You're annoyed, though, you can't get any bloody deputies, and you're turning me down. Yeah. <laughs> it's like a bit later. There's like a 14 year old kid that offers his help as well, and he's yeah. like, mm, "You're 14. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna do that." But but they're the only two people that he has any respect for at the end. Yeah, yeah. So the um. Where else are we? So he uh, he goes to see uh, this goes to the nice. church, doesn't he? Is that next? No, before he does that, he goes to see his his, his friends because he's uh, one of his friends. He's going to call on them. Um, his friend is whispering, oh, yeah. his, his, his whispering to his wife, "Tell him I'm not in." She goes, yeah. "He'll know I'm lying." And to be fair, she does not lie well. She's <laughs> like, <laughs> she's like, "Can I can I see my friend Sam?" He goes, "No, he's 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 he's, he's in at church, church. He goes, without well, you." He goes, "Yeah, why no. aren't you in church? Why aren't I in church? Why aren't I in church? <laughs> I'm going to church later." <laughs> <laughs> and then he immediately knows he's like oh well thanks for your time yeah. then and it's, 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 again there's another friend who just realizes you know the best way of not not volunteering is not to be around when you're asked oh, we've all done it absolutely <laughs> I've, done I've it. probably empathized more than i should with a lot of characters <laughs> in this movie yeah. and none I mean, of them is kane no and it, the thing is i've done it when my i've not been in mortal danger of my life I, yeah. i've done it because i just want an early night sometimes <laughs> <laughs> just leave me alone 
We should have put that in, in between all this failure to random volunteers. Uh, Kane's had again a huge bust up with Amy because when he turned around mm, yes, to back to the town, she is again outraged on a number of reasons. One, it's they just got married. Yeah. Um, two, she's Which is a fair pac- enough. Yes, yeah, that is, that's very fair <laughs> enough. Uh, two, she's a pacifist. Um, three, it's not his problem. And four, if he goes through with this, she'll get on the train at noon and leave him. And yeah. and fair and play he, to and Amy. He still does. He still yeah. goes ahead with it, doesn't he? So she's just place, yeah. annoyed. But she she carries out the threat. Like she says, yeah, yeah I'm does. going. She gets yeah. the train. She gets. She goes to buy a ticket and she yeah. waits for the train to arrive. So she's not like wringing her hands. She's like, no, tough. Um, yeah. So that was her. She, she gets her moral comeuppance. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I think where are we now? So Kane calls on his predecessor. Um, yes. Was it Lon Chaney yeah. played the old Lon Chaney Junior. Lon Chaney Junior, the yeah. former the former marshal who handed it on. Who yeah. again? Um, Kane. It says that I looked up to you. I wanted to be you. So he's his real mentor, hero type yeah. figure. And um, he says, you, you better leave. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Basically he, what he says in it. Leave. What are you doing? He, yeah, his his case is twofold. One, he's got arthritis in his hand, so he can't pull a gun, and he'd be yeah. a liability in a gunfight. Yeah. So that might be a bit of a kind of a cop out. Secondly, though, is much more saying it's not worth it. It's like you know, what's the point of being a lawman? There's no everybody point. is saying it's not worth it. There's there's no yeah, there's no money, there's no money in it. There's no, no protection in it. You end up old and and decrepit, yeah. and so what? You won't have um, a name. It doesn't yeah. matter. Yeah. So that's so that's his that's his mentor telling him this. <laughs> uh, I think the the last the last big big push, and this is almost the, this is a great scene we haven't mentioned who the mayor is we'll come to him yeah um, this is a great scene though isn't it's it? a fantastic yeah. scene he goes he goes to the church and uh and basically this is you know, these are these are not saloon hoppers or, or no no these are these, these are, are good, god-fearing good yeah. good they, yeah. these are the people that have benefited from Kane's exactly they've got, work. They've, they've got the most to lose by frank miller coming back yeah. into the town yeah. and and he and he comes up and he addresses them he lays it all out for them and you know someone leaps up immediately saying come on let's go you know we've got to defend our town someone leaps up saying what do we pay our taxes for paying him to defend our town <laughs> and he gets into an argument it's the, the age-old much- argument isn't it <laughs> like, i am not paying my good money yeah, i don't give anything to charity it's what taxes should be for <laughs> save the children no workhouses uh, but yeah so there's there's arguments like that to and fro until the mayor calls yeah. his, well, the, the, the priest he's a lost cause he goes oh thou shalt not kill so uh. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah if you look in the first half of the bible there's an awful yeah. lot of killing it's pretty, yeah it's pretty bad the old yeah, testament yeah. isn't exactly the pacifists um <laughs> <laughs> encyclopedia is it <laughs> yeah. but, the, but yeah he's a he's a um but yeah a new church he's like no nah, don't do that don't kill yeah. um but then the uh the mayor of the town played by uh, thomas mitchell who we last saw in stagecoach yeah it's the drunken um the drunken medic yes he's not drunk anymore but he's again right. a very good raconteur he does that he does that so he, he, does, he doesn't he calms he's, everyone down I, I've, I've come to realize that thomas mitchell he's i'd never really heard of him before stagecoach yeah. but now i just want to seek movies out that he's in because he's brilliant yeah. in, in every movie i've ever seen him in which is two movies but he's yeah. brilliant in both it's a good track record yeah so yeah. he is very good um yeah. and and the speech he gives is really it's i think it might be the best speech of the film because well, it it's begins also biting as well isn't it oh it's, yeah it's hard well it begins with like yeah you know people of our town yeah we owe we owe, Kane. We owe, yeah. Kane. We owe yeah. will Kane a debt we could never pay with money and you he think you know where it's going don't you yeah absolutely because i was yeah. convinced by this one i was about yeah. to leap up at the, the pews <laughs> like we you know he cleaned up the town he is mm. the best marshal we've ever had he made it safe for us to live for you but, for your children yeah, but he goes, but, you know, there's a lot of people looking at this town, a lot of investors. People yeah. want to build we, factories here, they want investors. We and if can't they be seen, we, you know, we, yeah. can't be, we can't be seen to have dead bodies. Yeah, if, they, if there's a shootout, and if, if, mm. if, if we're going to have to explain Miller, that. Yeah, Frank Miller comes down and there's going to be shooting and we'll have to explain that and it'll look bad, we'll look like some kind of cowpoke mm. town. Mm. So maybe the best thing can do is Will should get out of here. Yeah. And, for, <laughs> both, for both Will and the town, the best yeah. thing to do. Is yeah, to, that's so, almost the coward's answer for your benefit as well, Will. Yeah, but he's not really talking about him. And Will, Will visibly twitches. Yeah, he, he, he wilts, doesn't he? Because the, the speech was going in one complete direction, and then just there's a quick left turn. That's a very logical left turn. It say, is logical, yeah. yeah that's that's what's why so good. It's like he's 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 barnstorming, and just as about you think, well, come on, let's defend it. He goes, mm. let's be pragmatic about this. Yeah, he does, <laughs> and it's it makes it it makes it makes it harder doesn't it it makes it worse <laughs> yeah yeah and also you know um and these are the people who are literally an hour ago surrounded bill kane slapping on the back saying yeah. what a wonderful guy he was yeah. and how they can't repay him enough and i'm saying you better run because yeah. no one's here is going to stick up with you yeah and you better run because our town can't cope with you and miller yeah. so get out of here for the benefit of the town 
Yeah. And it's also it's the fact he's saying, like, we could have factories in this town. Yeah. Like, yay. Yeah. <laughs> oh, good. That'd be nice, wouldn't it? All that small yeah. uh, explosion workforce. What are we waiting for? You know, it's only 100 years till this, a civil action is made. <laughs> Absolutely. You, can, you know, come on. So it's 100 years of pumping water in there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, so um, so so that is is kind of his last hope. And but we we haven't even got back to the last hope. But the last hope is when he goes back to his uh his his office. Um, and and then the, yeah, his other deputy Ben, who who is all ready to join, just kind of comes in and is like, yeah. um, right, we we go in. Then where where are, where is everyone? I haven't got anyone. Yeah. You haven't got anyone. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, like no, really, I've lost one because yeah. the deputy yeah. resigned. <laughs> and, he, and he's um, he's like, look, no, actually, we're not going to this point yet. We uh, he hasn't he hasn't reached his all this point low point. Actually, after being turned down in the oh, church, yeah. he goes to the local um, I would call it horse pen, yeah, <laughs> 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 or stables, uh, where yeah. he's 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 just contemplating a horse. Um, Thinking maybe I really should get out. Yeah, of Yeah, he thinks maybe I should get out of it. Yeah, but uh, along comes Harvey Lloyd Bridges again, and um, basically say basically yeah with he his it one, in, he? Well, you know, no, I think he's genuine because he's been drinking yeah. away and and feels guilty, not guilty to do anything, but after he does he does want to spare Will Kane getting you know. I don't think he's a Kane. bad person, is he? He he does yeah, feel guilty, and I think this just is rubbish. It's just <laughs> rubbish. Yeah, and this is also after the con- the the conversation he has with um his. You know, with Helen Ramirez, and she says to him, "You, you oh, know, you're a good-looking, you're a good-looking kid. Yeah. You've got broad shoulders, but it takes more than broad shoulders to be a man." And Will Kane's a man, so he's feeling hurt, isn't he? Yeah, we've also forgotten. Yeah, he's he's um, Kane's gone and spoken with Helen Ramirez, who basically yeah. says, "I'm running. You know, I, I, yeah. I, it's it's no good here." And Helen has actually, too. yeah, Helen has actually spoken with Amy as well, saying, "Look, if he was my man, I would get a gun and I would defend him." Yeah. Um, but so yeah, she puts that under under Amy's bonnet to think about. But at this point, yeah, so um, Will is in the in the stables, and Harvey comes along, and basically says, "Look, just get on the horse, will you?" And mm. Will say, "Will almost having since Harvey thinks it's a good idea, thinks there's no way I'm doing this now." Yeah, um, yeah. If Harvey thinks it's a good idea, it's definitely not a good idea. <laughs> and Harvey then basically tries to knock him out and put him on a horse. It's an almighty fist fight, and it's pretty brutal. It is. And, yeah. and Harvey, being the the broad shouldered man he has, has quite the upper hand for quite a while. He's laying into Paul. Yeah, Will. I yeah. He's just got it was going to go to be honest yeah will again manages to get his one last uppercut in and knocks harvey out um and then staggers into the barbers to get cleaned up because <laughs> yeah. he's a bit of a mess at this point yeah um <clears throat> but he does he gets he gets tidied up in his you know his cuts are, yeah you can hear uh, the, the guy making the coffins in the background he said will you be quiet because <laughs> he's been asked to to make a fair few more coffins because miller's uh, miller's on the way <laughs> at least four will need <laughs> He goes, think about it. We'll need at least four. Miller, Kane, there's bound to be two others. But <laughs> yeah, as the coffin's knocking, because the barber is, is, is tending to Will and the knocking is, goes, stop doing what the thing that you're doing for a bit. But Kane obviously knows. He leaves the barber as he goes, you can carry on making your coffins now. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so the, having been now beaten up um, by his uh, deputy, he goes back. Yeah, Ben, his last deputy, says, he's, he's really kind of like, you haven't got anyone. Oh, well. You know, if there's others, I would have stood up for mm, you. You know, yeah. you, you I've got, get I've got a wife, I've got kids. Yeah, which is again yeah. fair enough. You're going to get gunned yeah, of course down. It is, yeah. yeah. But um, it is that very much like you get others, and I'll be right with you. You know, just yeah. get some others, and I'll be brave. Yeah. Um, so he, uh, he he says goodbye, kind of hands back the badge, and I think at this point, this to me is the climax of the movie, not what happens afterwards. Mm. It's the point when Will Kane is just alone at his desk. Yeah. Everyone has let him down. Yeah, and he starts and writing his will. He, he writes he writes his will and testament and he just crumples. He yeah, he does. And you see hands. it in him, doesn't you? He's yeah. he's a he's a, he's broken, isn't he's he? He's absolutely broken. Um, everyone has deserted him. Yeah. Um, even if even his wife. Yeah, yeah. Uh from being an hour ago being the champion of the town. Yeah, it's like yeah. no, no one And even it, it is literally an hour ago. Yes, isn't it? That's because, the thing. Because, it is literally yeah. an hour ago. <laughs> because as he's gone through this whole process, we've seen all the clocks in the every scene yeah. tick, yeah. tick, ticking the way yeah. to noon. Um, and you see him walking, walking in the um, the main street, don't you? An empty main street from place to place as he meets these people, as he tries to persuade yeah. them to join him. Yeah. And soon the noonday train arrives. Out comes yes. Frank Miller. So the gang of four are now marching down into town. Uh, again, with no one else to, to back him, Kane goes out to see them. Gunfight ensues through a much kind of again. It's if it's a thing, we'll come into the style of it. It's, it's quick, isn't it? Well, it's they didn't. No one faces anyone off. They no, sneak around. No, it's it, despite it being called High Noon, and I I thought this was going to be the film that really cemented that standoff. <laughs> I, there isn't one. I was totally expecting a standoff yeah. in the high street with yeah. a clock ticking to noon. And yeah, that's what I thought. Gun, well. yeah. Shooting starts. Yeah. Not, not because, at all. I mean, the, the film plays. The film focuses on that street so much that you yeah. think it must be. It just isn't. 
you know, it's it's very kind of urban combat because because Kane's is, sneaking yeah. around the back. Yeah. Um, yeah. Actually, we, we should, before the shooting starts, actually, what tips Kane off to where they are is one of the gang just breaks a window and steals a bonnet. Um, which, <laughs> yeah. Which which is not I th- yeah. <laughs> I thought it would come into play later on. I think it was just to show that this gang is here to do whatever the hell they want. Yeah, exactly. Um, and if, so oh the, God, he could steal a bonnet. He is yeah, steal a bonnet. Do anything. Work. Yeah. <laughs> but also the fact that if you know the, all the all the hopes of the townsfolk that you know if we just do nothing we'll be okay. It's yeah. like no, they they will do whatever they want because yeah. they know they've got to run out of the town. I always feel like the the town almost should have its comeuppance, shouldn't it? Yeah, yeah. Really? Well, they, well, but... they they come close. Yeah, I mean, mm. they they keep the, those. Well, maybe well, they those... do. Maybe they do. They get their moral comeuppance at the very yeah. end, don't they? But yeah. Well, Ramirez is is again shown to be someone who is quite clear sighted, and she's the one who says when he when he when Frank Miller comes back in, this town will die. And yeah, that's uh, yeah. Thinking. And actually, it's interesting because although Ramirez is also running, she she is she's not faking it, is she? she yeah. She's she's not pretending to be something else. She's like she's basically saying. Me being here is not a good idea. I've got to get out of there. And so yeah. she goes. Yeah. It's, her, it's, it's her, and the, her and the judge, the only ones that don't make excuses. Yeah. yeah she's saying, right. trouble's yeah. coming, yeah. I'm out. Yeah. Yeah. Um, rather than, yeah, rather than I'm not at home. <laughs> my, <laughs> my hands hurt. <laughs> my hands hurt. <laughs> we, we want factories. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all, all sound reasons. Or well, when you get you know, 10 other guys, I'll yeah, join you then. I, th- I think arthritis is more than just hands hurting. <laughs> <laughs> You could you could you could do a lot with arthritis. You know, you could uh, you could. <laughs> is it in both hands? You know, could he could he it pull it up with his in one? There you go. He's got his other hand. Yeah, got feet. Got feet. Anyway, so uh, we we've missed it. So gunfight explodes. Basically, yeah, yeah. Kane gets the drop on one. They chase him into a barn and set yeah. fire to it. He gets the drop on another one. And then, although we'll say these are quite a competent desperado. So they like they've managed to to kind of you know to corner and chase um, Kane through the streets now. Yeah. yeah. Um, but but one of them didn't work. One of them thinks he's got Kane, you know, cornered. But then uh, uh, he yeah. gets shot in the back from behind by none other than Amy. Yeah, uh, she yeah. she she has shot. She's she's she has um, gone against everything she stands for. Yeah. People <laughs> over principles, you'd like to think. She's stood yeah, by her man. Exactly. She stood by her man. Yeah. yeah. But, um, but which, which which doesn't do her too well because Frank Miller, the last man standing, grabs her and does a. Uh, yeah. What, what I'd like to call the Hans Gruber move, uh, which <laughs> yeah. I, I suspect yeah. as a, he basically holds her in front and calls yeah. Kane out to see him. Um, also, we, you know, she's also she might have stood by a man, but she's going to hell now, <laughs> isn't she? You know, yeah, she's going to hell with him, you know. <laughs> yeah, I suppose. Uh, so none that so he he calls Will out and basically she she dives out of the way in time for Kane to gun yeah. down. Well, Frank she, Miller. she scratches his eyes, doesn't she? Yeah, she does, doesn't she? she uh, that's it. She's quite a she's quite an active protagonist in this fight. She is, yeah. Uh, she's got agency. Yeah, and and down goes Miller and mm. and Kane is triumphant and it is the least triumphant triumph. Yeah, it is, isn't it? He's so he's I wouldn't say he's furious. He's not really furious. He's disgusted, isn't he? Yeah, well, I think he, yeah, he's literally just had enough. He's, so everyone, yeah. everyone, everyone, everyone comes out almost as if to say, "Oh, well done." Yeah. And he looks at his sheriff's badge and he takes it off and he just gives everyone a really, um, you know, disgusting look and throws it on the floor. Yeah, and he gets on the wagon with. Uh, and that's with it. it. And they ride off, and it's almost they 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 technically ride off into the sunset. <laughs> yeah, but they do. There yeah. is no joy about it. It's literally like throws the badge down and I'm out of here. Yeah, and then he leaves everybody. So everyone's in the town just to stew. Yeah. on their cowardice there you go and that is high noon very good very good for you nicely done thank you very much so i will uh, invite you to uh, to help yourself to uh, a light shave and uh, <laughs> a light shot of shave the, a light Surely shave. you can only sh- you just shave or you don't shave what's <laughs> <laughs> a light shave a light i shouldn't shave really is... i shouldn't really have a go because you're much better at the puns than i am <laughs> <laughs> well now you're making me self-conscious <laughs> so, uh... so see you in a minute Please lie down and have a bucket of horse water dropped over your head. <laughs> As we shall take a moment and come back where we shall take a better look at High Noon. Uh, welcome back, dear listener. Yes, you have been regaled with the story of High Noon. Um, brackets opens, says something funny that links to Westerns and has a pun in it, brackets closed. But we have now done the synopsis. Well done, Hugh. Very A very thorough synopsis as well. Thank um, you. It's probably worth just having to think about the film itself before we get into the themes and the analysis and, and, and where it is in our film-watching um, extravaganza this year. Yeah. Um, so we're we're, we're three else. films in. 
to the to the rest. It was only three films, didn't it? But my point is, we're three films in, and we've already gone revisionist. Yeah, we have. Although I think um, we were having a discussion about this before we 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 clicked record. I suppose Um, I don't think either of us either of us were aware that this was at the time considered a revisionist western. And I think as time has gone by, it has lost that revisionist tag, hasn't it? Yes, it's considered well, it's considered a classic western. It's the, it's, one yeah, of the, it's, yeah, the classic yeah. westerns. And but I, I I was under I was under, I had no idea that this was in principle a revisionist western. But well, now I've seen it, I, th- I can see why. Right? Yeah, absolutely. It, you know, it doesn't really follow the, the the standard tropes of of the western. And you have to remember, you're, you're right. We've only seen two previously: um, Stagecoach and My Darling Clementine, which are very traditional westerns. And this kind of flips it a little bit. And it's the early fifties. We're not even in the sixties where we get the um, the spaghetti westerns and yeah. and the the kind of ironic. Um, kind of references and pastiches we're not even anywhere near that this is the early 50s revisionism wasn't done in the early 50s yeah but it yeah, was it's a, it's a remarkable <laughs> film yeah, it is because i was expecting gary cooper to be about 10 years younger and considerably tougher considerably tougher i mean probably i, I was i was yeah me, me too i had no idea that um will kane was scared you know i didn't get i did not expect him to be scared i didn't expect him to be fearful i didn't expect him to not seem like he knew exactly what he was doing no Do you know I mean? and i don't mean that in a in a in a befuddled way he's competent very competent he's principled to a certain extent but he's lost isn't he yeah he well yeah it's because um i do want to compare him to uh to like death of the salesman <laughs> it's like oh come on i just need three more deputies yeah, Gil needs yeah, to sail. yeah it's a bit like yeah it's Gil, but, isn't it but, yeah. it's Gil from the simpsons <laughs> oh come on don't. just do one more one more passing <laughs> But uh, but yeah, because I, I, here's here's how I had imagined the film to be, and this is this mm. is the, what you know, having never seen it but just heard so much about it. I thought news comes to town that the bad guy's coming. You yeah. know, as soon as he hears it, you know, Will Kane's jaw gets a lot squarer, and he's yeah. like, "I'm gonna face him down, no matter what. Who's with me? Everyone lets him down, and he faces him down. You know, four he, in a he row. Faces him down anyway. Yeah, yeah. And he's and, not bothered. Yeah, and this is he's genuinely thrown. By the circumstance, and then by the fact that no one is is you know all all the the props, all the the foundations that he based his beliefs on, that the community and the the mm. town and his mentor and the law and order and everything will back him is gone, and he all is left is just him. Yeah, absolutely, and it goes against a lot of what you expect a western to be, and yeah. also what um, I, I know that um, so. John Wayne famously hated the film because yeah. he, he called it um, the, the the most un-American thing he's ever seen, and I can understand where he's coming from because it it is it there is there's no there's none of that kind of rabble rousing sense of um, you know coming together that that kind of fight of the good against the bad none of that in there. He is a scared, um, almost kind of he's a terrified individual who is almost out of his depth a little bit right you know he's, he's i almost feel like halfway through the film he's thinking oh bugger <laughs> what the hell have i done why didn't i just ride off Arrgh! yeah you can't leave and so on so, so yeah it's not what i expected at all but again the the I guess that the the big allegory story that everyone knows about this film as well is that it's it's again it is an allegory um for the 50s activity the um yeah. the kind of the McCarthy, McCarthy, McCarthy that, the, yeah. the house committee for the un-american activities mm-hmm. um so the, yeah, the, the naming communists, blacklisting, basically when the, the uh, when the American politicians went through Hollywood and you either had to name names of pe- of your friends and your colleagues who were mm. suspected communists or you got blacklisted yourself. You got so blacklisted, it is yeah. entirely that, you know, are you going to stand up even though everyone else around you might be turning on you? Are you going to do the right thing or are you going to just, you know, go with the flow or are you going to find an excuse not to or are you going to seek some kind of profit you know, because um, again, the writer Carl Foreman, I think, had, had run afoul of this committee. He had. He was blacklisted and had to move to the UK. Yeah, um, yeah. So, uh, because of it, and start yeah. his career again. So you say, yeah. So some people, like the judge, just packed up and left. Some yep. people, like Harvey, said, "I will. I won't name you if there's something in it for yeah, me." Yeah. Some people just did it um, because it was yeah. the good for the industry. You know, we want factories yeah. here. So the whole thing is an allegory for for McCarthyism. So you can see why John Wayne, who basically ran into the McCarthyism hearings and named everyone he could. Um, yeah. Because he was he was rapidly anti-communist, and you know um, you could see why he'd hate this film because it's it's basically a, he in, in this sense he's Frank um, Frank Miller. Yeah, he is, and I mean, it, I mean, what what's what's interesting about it is that Gary Cooper also was 
good friends with John Wayne. Yeah. Um, and, you know, remained good friends until um, until until the end, I suppose, to a certain extent. And um, he, Cooper was also called to bear witness to the McCarthy um, kind of witch hunts, I guess, really, as well, but didn't name anyone. Yeah. Um, so it's an interesting dichotomy between the two then. And um, Cooper won an Oscar for his role here as well. And um, he was filming in Europe at the time. So John Wayne accepted it for on his behalf and basically <laughs> said yeah 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 he, he basically said um you know this this oscar is is um uh you know it, it's been given to someone who is not only the most deserving but has conducted himself throughout the years in our business in a manner that we can all be proud of um and then he said despite hating the film it's he, he almost said i'm now going back to my business manager and find out why i didn't get high noon instead of cooper <laughs> and it, but it, but it was a it was a uh uh uh, a bit of a stab because he hated the film so he was an ironic statement you know, <laughs> everyone knew why he didn't get high noon instead of cooper everyone yeah. knew it why he re- why he turned it down so it was just a little kind of little twist of the knife almost yeah oh, and wow. I, I kind of think to myself you know if john wayne hates the film it's probably worth liking <laughs> I mean, as, as, an, as a as a person i mean i'm not sure that i particularly you know having seen a couple of films with him in now i'm 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 kind of warmed to the to the everyman hero that he is in 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 the westerns, I suppose. But um, yes, I think, I Howard, think the... Howard Hawks hated it as well, so they made Rio Bravo as a um, I know, yeah. as a as a kind of counterpoint, which I'm intrigued to watch as well. Um, yes, yeah, not one of our list, but I am intrigued to watch it, yeah. having never seen it. But yeah, again, um, if uh, if the last decade has taught us nothing, is there has to be a certain separation of art and artist, or you'll never Absolutely. watch anything. <laughs> you'll ne- yeah, it's true though, isn't it? You'll never watch anything. Um, but, uh, again, oh, so that, that was again that was the the thing that's particular to High Noon. But there's something else that I'm noticing about westerns, um, as a general theme. Now, again, this this comes before and after, because this movie is set in 1898, and slightly it, after the 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 high the, point, isn't it? Well, this is the thing. So many westerns appear to be set on the cusp of the decline of the West. <laughs> yes. It's it's always about, um, you know, the gunslinger saying, you know, I'm, the world's changing, I'm too old. You know, the railroad's coming, yeah. telegraphs are coming, families yeah. are settling, it's just not like it was. And there's so very little about the actual West-West. And it's it's almost all about, because for one thing, it was a very short period of history because, again, the settlers and the railroads and the telegraphs yeah. did follow incredibly quickly. Yeah, this we're talking like a the couple of decades, ages. aren't we, really? Exactly, yeah. yeah. And... And almost any Western of note is almost universally set in the kind of, oh, the, the times are changing. Oh, you know, I'm an old gunslinger. I used to you know, be a young man living on the free. I, and it's it's I always wonder, about the, the push of progress. I do agree with you, but I wonder whether it's because we're watching those films from the vantage point that we see them in. So we're watching films from the 40s and 50s predominantly in, yeah. in some 30s but 40s and 50s where the height the kind of the, you know really kicked off we're watching films from the 40s and 50s being made about the old west but by the time the 40s and 50s were coming round, you also had westerns made in the 10s 20s and early 30s which did represent the old west in its height. I oh, suppose. I see. Yeah, you, you know. They've... So we, we we're almost seeing the tail end of that reverence. Given that in the forties and fifties, you're looking at just pre and post war, certainly late thirties, pre and post war, and that shift from um, a kind of pre war image to this kind of paranoia, this um, heightened capitalism, this heightened commercialization, all of this kind of stuff really changed what society was. You had the Korean War coming on. In in, in the near future, you had Vietnam as well. A lot of this stuff is prescient. And so you're going to look for those changes. And the Western is an allegory for the changes in American society at the time. Whereas in the, whereas in the 20s, it was very much within living memory. Yeah, yeah. Right? So as a, as a point of reference, I'm also watching a few other films, other Westerns as we go through this. And one of the films that I've watched um, between um, My Darling Clementine is this is a film called Three Bad Men. It's another John Ford film, but it was made in 1926. And it is very different in its tone and attitude toward the West. It is very reverential toward the West. And I think it's because it was from a slightly earlier Hollywood era. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a very interesting film. Um, it, it feels its age, but it's about, you know, it's about these um, three bad cowboys who turn out to be quite 
good cowboys you know the hearts of gold as it were yeah. um, so it's it's an inter- and it was much more about the the threat of the um of the business person in the old in the old west so it's a very different thing rather than cowboys themselves right so that, i think maybe that's where we see that i do agree with you though at this van- at this point in time in the 40s and 50s and we see it significantly in the 60s you're looking at filmmakers in the Hollywood system reflecting on changes in American society through the downfall of the Old West, I think. Okay, that's interesting. All right, then. So, again, anything else, again, with the, with the themes? I suppose one thing we, we raced over, because uh, it didn't happen much, but it was an important character, was um, Helen Ramirez, Katie Girardo, mm, mm. Uh, who... Again, this I, I found this character interest or the actress interesting because again she was definitely a big deal in in her in Mexican cinema. Yeah, and she was you could tell by just her placement in the film that they wanted to focus on. But I found her delivery to be quite wooden, to be honest. I know she won a Golden Globe for this; it's quite well regarded. But mm. I wasn't swung by Helen Ramirez. I thought, I to be honest, I thought it's the same issue as when you get um, what's the name uh, like um. Sophia Marceau or um, yeah. any any act, yeah. any actress yeah. of, of got great acclaim in their own language yeah. get bust over to an English language film and all of a sudden the language barrier hits and they they can't emote as well yeah there's I, I think I'd agree with you that I think that there's it's the it's it's the it's something to do with the translation of the language into the emotional reaction isn't it yeah uh, certainly not to say that Katie Gerardo isn't a good actress I've not seen her in anything else so you know fair enough that's a bit of a moot point but I do agree with you clearly clearly English wasn't her first language I thought she was fine in it but um I I I do think it was and maybe this is my prejudice I guess to a certain extent I was surprised to see a non-American actress have such a significant role in an iconic canonical western actually that, that that wasn't that wasn't um, uh, uh, Native American, um, that wasn't uh, um, someone without agency. She has, I mean, I, I agree with you that her, I think her performance is quite wooden, but nevertheless, she has a lot of agency. She makes informed decisions yeah. um, that are of benefit to herself. And in the film, she's presented as a very successful businesswoman. And given the decisions she makes, you can kind of understand why. Right, same as the judge. She's she's got she's gonna get out when she needs to get out. And she she's one of the few characters at the end, you see her riding off on the train that Miller comes on. And she's made it and they see her, don't they? They see her getting on the train. Yeah. Um and they're just kinda like, Oh, she she you know, she's going. She's made that active decision. So I quite respect her for it. Yeah, and yeah, she's she's got quite she's quite a strong character. But I think also Amy, the the Amy character in this as well, Grace Kelly's performance, is is quite a strong performance with a lot of agency as well. And this is where this this is this might be considered more of a revisionist western as well, in the sense that the the female protagonists in the film do more than what I've seen in other westerns of the time. Um, They have agency. They make and impact the plot. They drive things forward. They create tension rather than just being part of, I guess, the scenery almost. Yeah, you know? and I'll come back. Come back to Helen Ramirez. This is the interesting thing: um, is that I didn't know whether again, I, it's hard to say. Cause this is the 1950s, mm. uh, and when um, when Harvey is saying, you, you know, he's he's rem- remonstrating with with Will Kane, saying, "You didn't recommend me for the marshal because I'm together with with Ramirez. That's why you did it, isn't it?" And he goes, yeah. "No, it's not like that." And I thought, is he saying that because he thinks like there's a racial prejudice there mm. from being associated with a mm. Mexican? And apparently, it wasn't because you know Will Kane was with her before. Yes, and so that yeah. wasn't that at all. There was no racial element no, at all. No, no her being and again, Mexican... that's almost that's almost our prejudice, isn't it? You expect yeah, yeah. you. Ex- I almost expected it to be that, and so I wasn't giving the film enough credit. Yeah, because actually Will Kane, when he comes in, he talks to her in, in, in Spanish. Yeah, he does, doesn't he? Yeah, he does. So, and so it's, it's really interesting. Yeah, so she's seen as being, you know, high, you know, she's intelligent, an good, intelligent, good instincts, good business instincts. Even the people she deals with as business partners, respect they respect her, her don't they? Because she sells, she sells the saloon, and the person says, "Yeah, you give me a fair price, and I'll pay the balance and all this kind of yeah. stuff." Yeah. And, it's and like, you've always like, been good to me. You've always been yeah. good for this town. Yeah, done deal. So it's it's. And she has like a, a servant as well, doesn't she? Who yeah. Um, and you know he's he, he he's a man. He's clearly American, but he's her servant, and he clearly respects her, and she respects him. Yeah. So it's an interesting. Yeah. Something it's not you what I was expect. expecting. No, no. No. The other thing that um made me 
um, not expect High Noon to be quite the revisionist Western that I was expecting is because we also, as part of Weekend at Crombies, have seen High Noon in Space, which is Outlander. <laughs> yes. Um, oh, sorry, Outland. No, is it Outland uh, or Outlander? It's Outland. It's Outland, yeah. God, it's we Outlander. had this conversation at the time, didn't we? We get it wrong every time. I think it was called Outland, yeah. Um, with Sean Connery. And it's effectively High Noon set in this... Um, P, not penal Connolly, but it's a colony of a colony of like oil refineries or whatever it is in space somewhere. But I don't think Sean Connery is quite presented in the same way as Gary Cooper presents Will Kane here. He's a much tougher individual. Um, yes, he has he has decisions to make and a lot is put on him. But given that I'd seen that, we'd seen that, I was expecting it to follow that a little bit more. Now, obviously, that's a problem in expecting a classic canonical film to be like a less well-regarded film you know fair enough right you do it the other way around don't you that's why outland was part of our core weekend at crombies um, rather than the weekend at crombies legend of um uh, crombies god but I, I was expecting i was expecting gary cooper to like you said to be tougher to be more squid or to be that kind of to have that swagger and that was mainly because of outland to be honest because i knew that that was high noon in space yeah yeah it's um it's remarkable, and yeah, his because we mentioned Gary Cooper is he's probably about, he was off his prime by this point. He, 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 was, had, his, he had his head yeah. in the thirties and forties. Yeah, um, but this brought him back though. It did, yeah, absolutely. But the, but he he looks off his prime again. I he, mentioned he in the he bleeding does. ulcer. Uh, he, yeah, and, and, oh. and, and this is clearly what? not. He's clearly you know this is a, an actor's choice. He just looks a bit lost, even when he is. He's a big, tall man, but it yeah. looks he looks he looks gaunt, doesn't he? And yeah, he looks uncomfortable in his own he does skin. Look uncomfortable, when, yeah. Yeah, even when you know, when say you know Thomas Mitchell, who's who's much shorter than Gary Cooper, is delivering the speech. You know, he's a good orator, he's in control, yeah, he's got yeah. the audience, yeah. and, and Kane is just standing there a bit awkwardly and and just receiving the judgment. He's and almost standing there, hopefully, isn't he? But yeah. without expectation. And you'd think this is not again. This is the whole point, I guess. If he was the kind of man who could inspire a crowd, there wouldn't be a movie. Um, yes. Yeah, he, he has yes. to be someone who just is. I'm competent at my job. I'm prepared to do it. Yeah. Come on, everybody, let's do it. If he was a yeah. person, if he was like William Wallace, then yeah, yeah he'd have the whole town behind him. <laughs> yeah, he uh, would, wouldn't he? Yeah. So that's the point. He, you know, and it's it is a saying. It's not, and I think, um, what is it? Uh, Martin Howard, the former marshal, he yeah. says, says people aren't going to jump up. They have to talk themselves into to standing yeah, up. Yeah, you've got to give people a chance, haven't you? That's yeah. what he's saying. You've got to give them a chance. Yeah, you need. Yeah, it's true. They're not just going to do that. Um, Which yeah, is itself fair enough, because actually, yeah, yeah absolutely. If, you're, if you don't know the stakes. It's very hard to ask anybody, you know, you've got you know, 80 minutes to make a life yeah. or death decision um, because you're yeah. not a man and you're not a gunslinger. But, you know, if if you hope that everyone else makes the same decision, you're it's the community powers. Like if everyone makes a decision, there doesn't need to be violence, but everyone's got to do it individually. Yeah. And I suppose in the previous incarnation, when he um, ran Frank Miller out of town, I guess, to a certain extent, everyone had everyone had nothing to lose. Did they? You know, there was nothing to lose before. Yeah. But now there's everything to lose. But also everyone presumably had had, you know, months or years of Frank Miller yeah, running the town yeah, to feel yeah, disgusted yeah. and to get, to get yeah. geared up for it. Now they almost think it's, it won't be that bad. It, it won't be that bad. <laughs> <laughs> they forget, don't they? They've forgotten. Yeah, maybe he'll be okay this time. Yeah, mm. but you know, he, he stole a bouquet. He stole a bouquet. The thing is, again, uh, I think it's uh, Kane starts shooting first. I mean, technically, the uh, the Miller gang hasn't actually broken any laws. Frank has no, been pubbed, and he's just walking into town. <laughs> yeah, he's true. And then, and true, then it all yeah. kicks off. So, uh, yes, yeah, that is true. That is true. Um, I mean, so I mean, I think we've thoroughly exhausted our expectation of the film and yeah. um, what what it wasn't. I mean, sometimes we do review we do review films that we haven't seen, don't we? Sometimes, you know, we get to the point where we describe what we would have liked to have seen in a plot um, rather than what we actually saw in a plot. I wasn't disappointed with the reality of the film as opposed to the expectation I had. It was just very different to what I was doing. Actually, it probably made it more interesting to a certain extent because I was yeah. watching it. I was watching it with a different eye um, and it revealed that that difference. It revealed itself as the film went on um, rather than, a, a sudden realization it was going to be different and i think that that's it that's it's helped by the framing device of um being filmed well filmed in real time but actually the story being told in real time i guess because um it it helps i think it helps it helps propels it helps propel the plot um because in effect the the vast bulk of the film is will kane trying to get people on board and 
almost you know vignettes of um people interacting with him about why they won't get involved and he goes to you know goes to person to person to congregation to congregation etc etc and then you have the um the the, the the shootout at the end i think i think that the framing device helps that and i think what, what you said in the um in the synopsis which, which was the actual the, i and i agree with you the denouement of the film isn't really the shootout i think actually there's two key denouement um is it denouement that's yeah, right, isn't it? Yeah. Denouement. Yeah, there's two key denouements of the film, right? Denoumai. Um And one of them is when you see him physically crumple in his office, right, right, at, right at high noon, when he yeah. knows he hasn't got anyone, and they're on their way, and he starts writing his last will and testament. It's a, it's a masterclass in acting because no words are said, but he just looks. I mean, that bleeding ulcer was doing a lot of heavy lifting because he, <laughs> it was, it looked incredible. It was brilliant. And then the final scene when he throws the marshal's badge on the floor and just gives everyone that look of disgust and rides Again, off with him. No words spoken. No words spoken, but it, you know, his face tells you a million stories. Incredible, yeah. incredible. In fact, a brilliant final scene. One of my favourite final scenes, I think. Yes, and again, not no no one no one says anything. No one, no, no townsfolk go. Oh, what was that all about? And you know, someone wisely says, "We <laughs> that all would let really him down." Spoil it, wouldn't it? Oh, wouldn't it? Yeah, if they said, "What was that about?" And someone goes, "We let him down. We let ourselves <laughs> down. We let the town down." It's like no, it's like off he goes. Yeah, yeah. screenwriting one hundred and one. Don't do that. <laughs> yeah, God. Yeah, exactly. So, um, the, yeah, I think I think there's what you said about the the, the endings of the film. The shootout is almost. A by the by, and actually we've seen that in quite a few of the films, right? So my darling Clementine was the same. Yeah, yeah. There's there's yet to be a fantastic shootout that I've seen the the list of it yet. But the films aren't worse for it though. The shootouts in these films are not the point. Yeah, yeah. Are, are they? They're, they're they're the thing that drives the plot, but they're not the point. And and this is why um, this what Fred Zinnerman, the the director of the film, said High Noon isn't a western. It's just it's just set in the old west um it's about it's about it's about things that make men men <laughs> i suppose <laughs> you know it's just what it's about isn't it it's it's about that duty that fearlessness fear that how you live um pride i think it's a really interesting point you said at the start when you were describing the synopsis i hadn't thought about it but there's pride in there it very much there? is yeah I, I really thought that again when he made that choice he wasn't just doing it for for, for you know, for I've got to stand up for the right thing, and I'll die. It's like I've not run, and I know because he was convinced he had everyone had his back, and that's 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 almost what crushes him as well. He thought I'll get the posse together and we'll be all right. Absolutely, yeah, absolutely. Um, Zinnerman said something else about the film as well, which is which is why probably this film more than the other films we've seen makes me think that it's not really about what we're seeing on the screen. So Zinnerman was a um uh uh. uh someone whose parents were killed in the Holocaust. Um, and although the, the film is very strongly allegorical toward the McCarthy era blacklisting, there's a lot there about um, good people not doing the right thing as well, um, which, which happened quite a lot in his kind of own experiences. He said, in the end, quoting um, some information that I got here. In the end, he must meet his chosen fate all by himself. His town's doors and windows firmly locked against him. It's a story that still happens everywhere, every day. And that's why I think he describes this not as a Western per se, uh, per se but a human drama, um, which happens to be set in a familiar Western context i guess i mean you could say that about any western really couldn't you it's probably the most allegorical genre that westerns and horror films are almost purely allegorical aren't they because they represent exactly the things that aren't being shown they represent emotions and characterizations and stereotypes and allegory and metaphor and all this kind of stuff which is why actually i'm really enjoying doing this western stuff because i don't i don't watch westerns enough and now i'm really immersing in it i see those allegorical statements those contexts the way that these are filmed you know I guess it's because the Western is such a, a basic armature of, 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 you know, that a town is in trouble because there are bad guys and the good guys to sort them out. Mm. You can build any story you like around it. You can, you can, do it. and you can do it umpteen times yeah. as well, never, can't you? Yeah, and it won't be ever the same twice. Well, it won't be ever the same twice, and it never really loses its appeal because it, it fundamentally, as Zinnemann says, it, it's a story that still happens. It's a story that is that resonates. Yeah. Um, and, you know, people whether they're flawed or bombastic are interesting right these are interesting stories yeah yeah um so that's why they work i think in that context 
Very good. Any more to say on High Noon? I mean, it, 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 it's been, you know, it's subsequent to its, its, um, it's released. It's been, you know, lauded. It made a lot of money. It's been, you yeah. know, it's, as we said, it's been put in all the kind of, you know, the records of significance. It always makes the top lists of whether Western films or just films in general. It's, um, it's Roger it's Ebert hated film. it, though. Did he? What an yeah, idiot. He, said, <laughs> he said, yeah, he said, um, he said, he said, I think he's, well, he's, he's I, had, I had it up. His exact words were, um, ostensibly high noon is not a good movie I'm like, what <laughs> i mean even okay like it's, I, I think you know high noon probably isn't my favorite film of all time right yeah. <laughs> say that now but i don't think you can say it's not a good movie <laughs> um that's just ridiculous the, the other thing i think that's slightly different about high noon is we're not just i don't just mean the framing device of the um the the real-time way that it's filmed but it but it's also how it's filmed as well so we have seen i think two films so far which are all about the landscape the vista the extreme environment i guess really and the beauty of the cinematography that shows that high noon isn't really about that except when you see the bandits the um the the criminals waiting at the train station you see that you see the train line um fall into the apex of the distance i guess it's the only real time you see everything else is very claustrophobic in rooms it's close-ups on people's faces it's anguish about decisions that they have to make so it's a much more internalized structural film rather than stagecoach by its very nature you have the internal stagecoach but you have the journey that they take and my darling clementine clementine as well um which tells a broader story about the kind of state of play of the environment this i think is a very this is a very intimate film um which I think is different for the time as well. It's a very intimate film. It's very contradictory in that context. Yeah, yeah. One thing I haven't touched on, I said I'd come back to it, is the, mm. the song, the, 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 oh, the yeah, famous yeah, song yeah, yeah, of High yeah. Noon. Uh, so this <clears throat> in itself, again, was unusual because we, we opened on, I think it's called The Ballad of High Noon, yeah. which, again, is is probably recognisable outside of the movie. It's, you know, do not yeah, forsake it's... me, oh, my darling. Yeah, um, yeah. And, again, it won an Oscar, and it, it, it you know, was, was famous outside of that. Um but it was incredibly on the nose. <laughs> it is a little bit on the nose. Because yeah. it, it lays out the whole plot. It's like, you know, on it this does, our wedding it, yeah. day, I can't rest <laughs> until I see Frank Miller in his grave. It's like, well, that's everything. Yeah, yeah. We it's don't like, need to see anything else, do we? At least with Smokey and the Bandit, you know, you just had to learn that there's, you know, they're thirsty in Atlanta, but there's beer in Texarkana. <laughs> that's all you knew. You, you know, what would happen between that was anyone's guess. It's like, if you listen to this song, you've done the movie. It is on the nose, but there is... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there are there are recurring motif motifs yeah. that use the music throughout to quite good effect, I think. So I, yeah, there, was... there's the there's the the slow drumming, I think, that you hear that comes into play when there's a moment of tension. It's still it's a little bit on the nose. I don't think it's any more or less on the nose than the other two films we've seen, though. I think yeah. I, I think if anything, this is a slight move toward what films might become in the 60s you know in in a sense yes yes it foreshadows everything that happens but it feels more technical i guess i can't yeah, really think no, of the word it feels more technical right, because, yeah, stagecoach and my darling clementine had definitely they were dropping the music scores in there yeah they were yeah um, and it is interesting that of, of all the evolution that we've seen from movies like the cinematography in, in these movies are great you know the acting yeah. is great yeah um, obviously the special effects are of their time but it's like the music has had the most evolution in movies the use of music I in movies so. seems to that, be a lot more, more, more yeah um, yeah sophisticated I, I agree i mean not with notwithstanding that you can tell a film is old because of the grainy um, quality of the film right i mean that's just how it is isn't it the thing that dates films i think more than anything else is the music it, yeah. it, and, and it's not just not just the music itself, but how the music is used. Yeah. You know, it, to the point where in the in some of the films I've seen from the 20s and 30s, it's, it's almost unbearable. <laughs> you know, it's almost unbearable. It's like the music is another character, but that character is um, Jar Jar Binks, you know. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you really don't. You say, "Oh God, this is." I'm really enjoying this film, but oh God, Jar Jar Binks has turned up again. <laughs> oh God, <laughs> you know, it's, it'd be better off without Jar Jar Binks, right? <laughs> oh dear, I imagine him <sighs> dancing his way into high noon. <laughs> ah, indeed, indeed. Um, so t- two other films I've seen um, oh, yes, since we since we last. Know, yeah, so I've I've seen um, Three <clears throat> Bad Men, which I mentioned before, another John John Ford film. Um, 
which which was interesting. I, I also I went forward in time a little bit, predominantly because it was the only film available on a streaming site that I had access to. So I thought I'd watch it. And it's a film called HUD with Paul Newman. And it's from 1962. So it's 10 years after High Noon. Um, and HUD plays a uh, hard living um, kind of rancher basically who lives with his father and his father's um help um and it, you know it's a film about the transition of generations and the movement from working on the land to owning the land to being a business person and so on and so forth but i really enjoyed it and paul i mean i have to say paul newman beautiful <laughs> oh my god <laughs> i was just like i'm i'm i, I consider myself fairly heterosexual but I, I, he, he notched up a few percentage points to, to bat for the other team. I mean, honestly, oh my goodness me, I, just, I don't think I've ever seen such a beautiful man before. But anyway, God, notwithstanding that, um, it's an excellent film. It, I think my point is, is that it is very much, it, oh, what am I trying to say here? In the space between High Noon in 1951 or 52 and HUD in 1961 or 62, I think the Western has... It, it seems to have changed beyond recognition. You know, yeah. it just feels so different. It feels, I'm not going to say it feels tougher, but it feels more, I don't know, it feels more modern, I suppose, really. It just, it, I suppose HUD was set when it was made, I guess, which, you know, makes it feel more modern in that context. But um, these these films on the 40s and 50s, they feel like classic Hollywood, right? Okay. Whereas HUD, which was a big budget Hollywood film, feels like um those auteur type directors that took place in the series it's, feel, it's got a completely different vibe to it and i think that's what we're, that's where we're headed now which is interesting that is i'm, I'm googling hud as we speak and all i'm getting is uh, the heads up display of fighter aircraft <laughs> <laughs> why don't you google hud paul newman that's true no, that's uh... probably better isn't it <laughs> Oh, there you go. He's very easy on the eye, yes. Yeah, he is. Come on, <laughs> easy on the eye. It's more than that. That's. Uh, I oof. might be thrilled because all I found is the German poster of HUD, which is uh, <laughs> Die Weltest unter Tausend. <laughs> tell you what, I'm Apologies getting aroused to our just German hearing listeners. this. <laughs> you, what was it called again? Oh dear, I don't want to do it again. It's, 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 it's not like my Jimmy Stewart, right? Die, Welt, die Welt unter Tausend. Mit Paul Newman. <laughs> <laughs> Mit Paul Newman. <laughs> I there think I go. would watch that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and I will say in the in the recommendation from our previous episode, which shows ah, I did yes. you occasionally, I uh, I watched Destry Rides again, which I, again I would thoroughly recommend. It was fantastic. Very good. I mean, we're gonna we're gonna be like, um, you know, we're never gonna watch another modern movie, are we? It's just gonna be films from the forties and fifties. If nothing else, this has made me re uh, re appreciate. Well, I'm not sure that's a word, but um, certainly certainly go back to those kind of older films and think you know what there's there's a lot here i've not seen and i've got so much to look forward to do you know what i mean because i think you can be a bit sniffy about old films can't you yeah. you can you say you say that there was gold in them the hills <laughs> and i'm not even talking just about westerns right oh yeah there's yeah a but... whole load of films that you know i could be watching that i haven't watched because i thought well you know you can't watch every film can you i might as well watch something that's just been released as opposed to something made in 1941 no no not anymore I tell you what, you're exactly right. I'd be much more likely to watch a mediocre film just because it, you know, it was made last year yeah. than a really good film from 40 years ago. Yeah, me too. Yeah, not well, anymore. No more. No more. No way. No well, on that bombshell. Um... <laughs> <laughs> should we get the scores on the doors? The scores on the doors. Let's have a little jingle, and we should return for the scores on the doors. So fasten your spurs. We're nearly at the homestead. <laughs> it's endless. <laughs> Yes, uh, welcome back, dear listener. Here we are. We are at the end of the podcast where we give our scores on the doors. Um, it's high noon. Hugh, do you go first? Okay, I'll, I'll I'll take the first crack. Well, uh, this this was an interesting one because again, it it, it because it, it it confounded my expectations, and I'm not sure I'd rush to watch it again. Like, well, I'd watch bits of it again, but it's just such. It's going to stay with me. I think I think the reason I'm going to give it five floating crumbie heads or five <laughs> disembodied Stetsons or five barrels of the six shooter, <laughs> it's getting five for me because 
regardless wow. regardless of the things I could pick up with it, and I could pick up one or two things with it. Mm. I mean, it, there's just so many things that just I think will stay with you. And a film like that, yeah, deserves five out of five out of five for me. Okay. Whoa, cool, blimey! There we go. Well, you, um, I was. I was teetering between scores, I think, uh, a little bit. Um, but but I, I think what I hadn't done in my initial reflection of the film was acknowledge that there is a there's another protagonist in the film which has as much, if not more, of an impact on what we're seeing. And I think that adds a certain level of of skill and uh, quality to the to what is already a classic film and of course i'm thinking of the bleeding ulcer that sits within <laughs> gary cooper because i think maybe without that he wouldn't have that kind of hangdog crumpled type persona about it and i think it's a performance for the ages and i, I'm, I don't know how much the bleeding ulcer had to play in that but if you know it deserves a lot of credit but i think because of that well no not because of that but um i i, I was teetering on a four but i think the conversation is has tipped me over into a five mainly because um i i like it when a film completely befuddles me with what i expected it to be and um i was expecting a relatively straightforward film um and it's not a straightforward film at all it's a complex complicated difficult film um, with some very challenging moral decisions and dilemmas at the heart of it. And I love a good moral dilemma in a film. So, yeah, five disembodied crombie heads. Why not? Excellent. Five, and I will say, just in case that hadn't tipped you over, he performed all his own stunts in the fight with Lloyd Bridges. Did he? With, with a bleeding, bleeding ulcer. <laughs> and, uh, and young oh. Bo Bridges was watching the fight scene from the rafters and laughed really? so much when he had the water tipped on his dad's head. They had to reshoot it again. And apparently... Oh, uh, no. Lloyd Bridges said um, Gary Cooper was very sporting about that. Was he? Oh, my God. <laughs> Just very Brilliant. Yelled, Get that bloody kid out of the set. i got to do this oh, over again. No. But yeah, so there you go. So well, five out of five. For, um, yeah, there we go. We, we're yeah. racking them up, aren't we? Blimey. Yeah, tell you what, if we do an end of year review for this, our average score is going to be about 4.25 each. It's still much <laughs> well, too much, isn't it? <laughs> we have picked the classic films of 80 years. We'd be doing ourselves a disservice. They were pretty good. Yes, that's true. Um, but we have another film, haven't we? We've got another film to watch. Do we, do we know what the film is, Hugh? We do, because I thought ahead with this time. Ah, so the, so um, I, yeah. I, again, we are clearly flailing around in the dark with this. We have no idea what these films are going to be like, but I would assume <laughs> we're going back to a, a classic Western. Um, yes, oh, you would, with, I would presume. I would have thought with High Noon. I thought High Noon would be the definitive classic Yeah. with the, with the standoff. We'll, we'll, <laughs> but, we'll, we'll, we'll find out. Um, this one is also set in the 50s. We doubled down on the 50s because we thought it was such an important decade. Mm. So we are going to... John Wayne will be starring in The Searchers. The Searchers. And we, we, we go back to John Ford. John Ford, John Wayne, The Searchers. Now, if that's not, you know, a, a, a double gallant hat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, good stuff. Get us out of here, right? Okay, well, there we go. So, uh, I, until then, uh, I uh, hope you're enjoying your shot of favourite bourbon and, uh, <laughs> and, God. and take you into uh, your, uh, your healthy and happy weekend at Crumbies. Good evening, all. Hang on, so what is oh, it? Girl, I think we have now my Jimmy Stewart impression has now been lost to the ether. Oh, yeah. So you, you're the only one who will have heard that now, so it's, uh, you should feel privileged. I do feel privileged. Until the yeah. next year. We've got more Jimmy Stewart films in the off. I'm off I don't to... think we do, no. What? We didn't even no. have one in the official canon. That's terrible. We didn't have any. But well, what I would say then is. It's a shame that. <laughs> No, that was that was that was Virgin on Sean Connery. That was. <laughs>